The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This episode of The Overwhelmed Brain was brought to you by this pretty darn good glass of tea I just drank. (laughs) I added raw sugar and some blackberry juice. Oh, I love iced tea. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of being told to think positively? Life is hard, so you have to be optimistic. I realize that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. So just turn your frown upside down and have a wonderful day. Uh, have you ever experienced any challenges in your life? Oh, so many. One time I had a shoe that got a scratch on it. So I threw them away and bought another $500 pair. Oh, the humanity. It was awful. (laughs) Well, thanks for the advice. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. This is Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach and host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason, causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. If you're here to learn more common sense tips for improving your life, you're in the wrong place. (laughs) This is the direct path to uncommon sense, and that's why it's going to help you learn, heal, grow, and evolve. You know, I get a lot of messages here at The Overwhelmed Brain, and a lot of it is praise, which I am super grateful for. And some of it is, uh, I'm in a situation and I need help. And those are the kinds of messages that end up in the Ask Paul segment. Uh, But some of the messages are kind of in between. Some of them are, I love your show and I'm going through a struggle and I just want to thank you, but I, I still am going through this struggle. They're not exactly asking for help, but in a way they're saying, you know, I'm listening to your show because I do need some sort of guidance. I do need some push in the right direction or some sort of positive message that will help me get through another day, another week, another year. For example, I got a message back. I don't know. This looks like it might be a year old, but (laughs) I think I'm hoping it's only a few months old because some of these emails sit in my inbox for a while. Uh, It was regarding a response to one of my email messages that I send out once a month. I have a regular newsletter that I send out once a week that talks about uh, the next podcast episode. And I always include a personal story or two in those newsletters. So if you want to sign up, just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and fill out the on the right-hand side the little form that says uh, sign up for the newsletter. 
Anyway, one of the、um, emails that I sent out is called "A Short Short Story," and it's regarding the time that I ended up at the soup kitchen. It was when I was pretty much homeless and broke and down on my luck, and how I was grateful, even though I was there. Now, this wasn't a phony gratefulness. This wasn't the kind of gratefulness that you just pull out when you hear the words, "Oh, just be grateful for everything in your life." Always practice gratefulness. I've always had a hard time practicing gratefulness, quite honestly. But it was funny because when I lost everything, that was probably one of the most grateful times of my life, only because I didn't have anything. So when something came along, it was wonderful. When food came along, it was wonderful. When money came along. It was cherished. You know, you probably read and hear a lot of stories about poor people being some of the happiest people and some of the most miserable people too. Believe me, it's not easy being poor in the world today, and I don't recommend it. But when you have very little, then anything you get can be seen as quite a lot. So that's what that particular email. And the newsletter that I send out said, and somebody responded to that. A lot of people have responded to this particular one, and said, "Thank you so much for your short story. You are a man of gratitude. I always listen to your show, and it helps me so much, and gives me a new way of looking at things and thinking of things. I would love to hear a show on having a chronic condition. I'm doing my best to get well. It drained my finances. On top of that." I'm in a bad relationship. Yup, if I was well, I'd be long gone. And my daughter can't stand the guy either, and lives with me and him. So your show really helps me. It brightens my day and gives me a smile often. Keep up the good work. You know, I read that letter and I was thinking, what could I do to help someone who has a chronic condition, who might be in pain most of the time? I don't have an answer. You know, we can talk about suffering versus pain, which I have on other episodes. When you suffer, it's when you dramatize your pain. But pain is pain. Pain is that、uh, moment you're feeling it, as you're feeling it. It's when you're in the present moment and you feel the pain now. That's pain. But suffering is when you think about the pain. That you had and that you're going to have, or even that you're having now, and you are overly complaining about it, and you're making sure everyone knows about your pain. And I'm not saying that's wrong, because suffering is real. But I am saying that pain is the physical sensation that we feel that is very unpleasant, and suffering is what we say and express and how we express ourselves about that pain. It's almost like saying that suffering is letting other people know about your pain, but taking it to an extreme where it becomes a mental anguish. Pain is pain. Pain is real. I lived in pain for a good fifteen years of my life with sciatica, and it got worse and worse and worse. And in fact, my girlfriend asked me last night, "How did you live so long and stay happy?" While you were in pain, 
And the only answer I could think of was that I accepted that my pain would never go away. It's kind of a sad answer. (laughs) But it was true. I accepted that my pain would never go away. But I hoped and continued to look for a solution. And she goes, wait, 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 wait. (laughs) Back up. How can you accept that you're always going to have this pain, but continue to look for a solution? That sounds like the opposite. It sounds like you developed a belief that your pain will never go away. So how could you go outside that belief and continue looking for a solution? And I thought about it and I said, well, it works for me to believe 100% and accept 100% that I will always be in pain. It works for me because when I accept it, I stop suffering. I still feel hurt. I still feel the pain, but I stop suffering. But I continue to hold on to the hope that the pain will go away someday through some sort of solution that hasn't been discovered yet or that I haven't been able to afford yet and I will be able to afford one day. And she goes, so you were clinging on to hope. I said, yeah. I said, I believed 100%. I accepted 100% that the pain would never go away. And then I chose to hope that someday I would find a solution that it would. So I kind of lived a double life, I guess. I believed it wouldn't go away, and I also hoped it would. But where did I focus my energy? I focused it on knowing it would never go away. I focused knowing that, all right, if I'm going to live with this pain, I'm going to have to work with it and work around it and work through it and do everything I can knowing that it will always be there. Now, what this does is release resistance. It releases the idea that, oh, I'm so sad that it's still here today. It releases the idea that, oh, I will be angry if it doesn't go away in a week or a year. I let go of all of that and just accepted that it would be there forever. (laughs) And it's terrible to think that at first, but the full acceptance of chronic pain like that is the first step towards having a, a happier existence. Yes, there is pain. And yes, I had to take painkillers and do certain things with my body to make my sciatic nerve feel better. I had to lay down in certain positions. I had to stand in certain positions. I had to go to the chiropractor. I had all kinds of things going on to work around it and work through it. But I accepted it. That's my life. It's just like when someone gets pregnant and their child turns out to be a disabled child, somebody with special needs. Now the parents either can struggle and fight knowing that they have a child with special needs that might need their attention for the rest of their lives, or they can accept it and go, hey, we're going to take care of this child no matter what, and this is the way it is. We're going to do everything we can to take care of this child. It's just the way it is. There's no getting around it. And I found that that determines the the difference between suffering and pain. When you accept that you have pain of some sort, whether it's emotional pain, physical pain, when you know it's there and you accept that it's there, then you can let go of your resistance 
to that pain because the resistance causes the suffering. I realize it's not fun. I realize there's real pain. And, you know, someone listening to this show right now is probably going through some real pain. But let go of your resistance to that pain. Let it be. Know that it's there. It's prevalent. It's not going away. Because when you do that and you let go of that resistance, then your mind frees so that you can live a life without the suffering. And I realize there's different levels of suffering. And I realize we all suffer in a different way. So I'm not saying that your pain's going to go away or not, but getting used to the idea that, hey, this pain's not going to go away. So I better just live with it is a good way to free yourself of the intensity of it, the emotional trauma of it. Now you might be saying, well, if I accept the pain, knowing that it will never go away, it makes it even worse. Knowing that this pain will never go away, that's a lot worse. How can that be better for me? How can knowing that this pain will never go away until I'm dead, how is that good for me? How is that beneficial to me in any way? Because once you are clear, once you are free and clear of always putting all your focus on how much the pain sucks or how much the pain is still there, once your focus comes off of that, knowing that you still feel it, then your mind frees to be open to other possibilities. You are clearing the path to possibility. You are clearing the path to options. One of the ideas that I try to convey on this show over and over again is that resistance causes blockage. Resistance causes your mind to be cloudy and foggy. When you resist what you don't want in your life, you're foggy. So no new ideas come. No other prospects come. No options seem available to you because you're so focused on what's wrong. You're so focused on what's causing the pain or you're focused on the pain itself And you're always trying to look forward to the day it stops. There will be a day that the pain stops. There will be. For all of us, there's going to be a day where everything stops. And what I try to convey to you through this show is that when the pain always seems to be there and never seems to go away, then I want you to develop an attitude of, all right, I've experienced the worst of it. Or maybe the worst is yet to come, but I've made it this far. Am I going to let this stop me from doing what I want to do in life? Yes, there could be physical limitations where you can't do what you want to do in life. But what can you do? Let's stop focusing on what we can't do and let's start focusing on what we can do. I used to skateboard when I was a kid. I was a skateboarder for a good 10 plus years from my teenage years into my 20s. I loved it. I still think about it every now and then. But I realize it hurts. (laughs) It hurt to skateboard because I would fall a lot and the skateboard would come up and hit my legs and eventually I just got sick of it. (laughs) I loved what I was doing and it also brought me pain. So the pain became too much and I stopped doing it. Then I got into inline skating or what people call rollerblading. 
And I really enjoyed that. And I got hurt a lot less. Then I stopped rollerblading because the pain of my sciatica got so bad that I couldn't do it anymore. And pretty soon I was sitting down more than I was moving. A lot more, in fact. So I found different things to do that I had to do sitting down. And then I found myself laying down a lot. So I would take my laptop to bed and lay down and do what I could. But the one thing that always kept me going was that I was always striving for more. I was always in a position where I wanted to learn more and do more. Well, if I couldn't get up and be physical, then I laid down and I learned something new. I looked online. I took online classes. I learned how to program computers for a while. And of course, I was always studying brain science and human behavior and personal growth and anything I could get my hands on since I had all that time. So instead of worrying about how I can't do all these things, I put my effort into all the things I knew I could do. Even people who can't move their arms and legs can usually read. And if they can't do that, they're usually taken care of some way and they could probably do something that ignites the neurons in their brain. So, you know, do I have a solution for chronic pain? Do I have uh, a step or two to take for you if you're in any type of chronic pain? My answer is no, I don't have a solution, but I do have a perspective. As someone who suffered for 15 years with chronic pain, not the same level as you know some people I've talked with, but I know how debilitating it can become. And as the activities that I wanted to do decreased and decreased, I found new ways to stimulate my brain. And I think that's the most important part. Continue stimulating your brain. And that's probably when I really decided that I was a critical thinker. I started asking more questions, learning as much as I can, and being somewhat skeptical of what a lot of people believed in. Because a lot of people I saw had blind faith in a lot of things. And I'm a full believer in having faith when it works for you. And when you're not always afraid of the faith that you have. In other words, if your faith is based on fear, then I'm not a big believer in that. Unless it motivates you to do good and be good and and it makes you happy. But if your faith is based on positive things, like every time you think of the faith that you have, it gives you a positive feeling, then do it. Do what works, always. Faith is a big component to a lot of people's happiness. Faith is a component of my happiness. I'm somewhat of a spiritual person and just recently over the past couple of years have developed a belief that everything happens for a reason. It's my personal belief and when I tried it on, I liked it. I really liked it because it took the suffering out of the equation. What's your belief? What's your faith? Where do you go when it's just too much to bear. Find faith. Find reason. Find anything that works for you so that when it is too much, you can go, oh, like I did, and go, this is happening for a reason. You know, I'm just going to accept it because there's an outcome that I don't see yet. This is hard to do when you're depressed. This is hard to do when you're feeling down. 
But if you could just say to yourself, there is a reason I'm going through this. And when I get out on the other side, when I get through it, I'm going to have experience. I'm going to have wisdom. I'm going to be able to share this with others, just like I'm doing now. I don't think I've ever mentioned that I had sciatic nerve pain for 15 years that actually got progressively worse and worse up until the point where I finally got surgery. But that took many, many years of being in intense pain, uh, sometimes where I couldn't walk, before I was able to get a job that provided the insurance that allowed me to get surgery. What is your chronic pain? Is it emotional? Is it physical? And what kind of belief system can you develop to help you through it, to get you to the next day? I don't care if you're a complete atheist. You can still develop beliefs that serve you. Even atheists have to admit that there are things that they don't understand in the universe. When you think of the microcosm of our galaxy and the macrocosm of everything beyond our galaxy, who can even grasp our own galaxy, let alone everything else that could be out there. Who could even grasp what kind of life might be out there? Or what kind of mysteries the universe holds? I mean, we figure things out just on Earth. And we go, wow, that mystery's solved. How long did it take us to figure this out? There's so much that we didn't understand and we still don't understand about our own planet, let alone the universe and even beyond that. So my my wish for you, my message to you is be okay with developing a little belief or a little faith in something. Think of something. Try it on. That's what I do. I, I come up with these beliefs and go, well, does that work for me? Let me try it on. Hmm, everything happens for a reason. Well, boy, that really gets me out of uh, a lot of endless thinking and constantly worrying about stuff. If everything really does happen for a reason, then all I have to realize is that the reason will reveal itself sooner or later. And that way I don't get bothered when I'm delayed at a stoplight or delayed at the supermarket checkout line or when something awful happens, when someone leaves me or someone dies. It still hurts, but I listen to myself and go, you know, this is happening for a reason and that reason will be revealed. What's your belief? What's your faith? Do you believe in something or someone, some being greater than all of us? Do you believe in a creator? Do you believe in a worldwide or a universal consciousness? Or do you have beliefs that go beyond that? Or maybe you have a belief that nothing exists outside of us. Maybe your belief doesn't go past yourself. Maybe you don't believe anything beyond yourself. Maybe you believe that when you die, you just wink out and disappear. And that's it. You only get this short lifespan to live your life and that's it. And let me ask you, does that work for you? Does that fulfill you? Does that give you peace and joy? Does that make you feel good? If you have that belief or if you have other beliefs, whatever your belief is, do they make you feel good? Because that's really where I like to take it. Does this belief serve me? Does this belief make me feel good? If the answer is yes, then go with it. If the answer is no, then come up with something else. 
(laughs) Because why would you want to live a life with a belief that doesn't serve you? Why would you want to live a life with faith in something that you don't feel good about? Create your own faith that works. You know, on top of everything that I'm saying, it doesn't really matter what's true. It only matters how you've organized information in your brain all this time. At least this is my perspective. My belief is that the way we're brought up and who brought us up and all the beliefs that we adopted over the years and some we've let go and some we've strengthened and some we've created anew doesn't really matter because all of that stuff gets stored in our brain somehow and organized in our brain and our brain develops a structure around the beliefs that are created in our life. So regardless of what's really true, doesn't matter. You create the beliefs that are true for you, that work for you, that give you the feelings that you want so that you always have some sort of peace and fulfillment in your life instead of stress and fear. I have a belief that we're not put on this earth to be stressed and fearful all the time. I have a belief that we're not supposed to be suffering, even though it can and does happen. But I also have a belief that pain exists for a reason. Pain shows us what pleasure feels like by being painful. Because when we experience pleasure and we compare it to the pain, there's a vast, vast difference. It's so different that it gives us a much better feeling depending on how much pain we've been in. It's sort of like today's intro where Mr. Positive bought a new pair of shoes and his pain was that there was a scratch on his shoes. You know, the intro is only a joke, but at the same time, it has a little personal growth message there. No one can ever know the pain of someone else if they haven't experienced the deepest layers that could be. And the deeper your pain goes, the more pleasure you'll be able to experience in life. The less money you have in your life, the more having money is going to feel good when it happens. The less happiness you've had in life, the more happy you will get when it comes. And if your response to that is, yeah, but I don't think it'll ever come, then don't worry. Because believing it won't ever come is actually helpful to you. Because when it does, it's going to feel pretty darn good. So I kind of over-talked the quote of the day today (laughs) because I wanted to talk about some of the messages that I receive here at The Overwhelmed Brain, and that was one of them. And I don't have time to talk about another one, but maybe I'll address that on another show. We can talk about another message that I received that really isn't asking a question. I don't plan on doing a full episode dedicated to chronic illness or chronic pain, but I did want to address it because I have been thinking about it. In fact, I think about it a lot. I think about a lot of things that come across my desk. And as thoughts and ideas come to mind about those things, I like to sort them out as I'm talking to you on the air. Sometimes. Sometimes I'll write stuff down, write myself notes, and then come on the air and talk about it. But for the most part, I do like to sort this stuff out while I'm talking to you. So if anything ever comes out a little strange and you're like, what did he mean by that? (laughs) Just let me know. I care about your well-being. I care about where you are going in life. And if you are in pain and if you're really suffering, 
I know all of this stuff is real. I've been through a lot myself. But you know, I also realize that my pain, my suffering, everything that I experienced in life is probably a tenth of what some other people have experienced as far as pain and trauma and all the stuff that we tried to survive as children growing up. So I do my best to give you my perspective from the places I've been in life and from where I've healed and grown in my life. So I hope this helps you if you're in any type of chronic pain, chronic emotional pain even, or physical pain. I realize it doesn't make it go away, but I'm clinging on to the belief that my words will help you in some way. We'll be right back with our next segment called Ask Paul. Well, once every week, I talk with Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She seems to know a lot about legal stuff <laughs> because she's been through quite a few situations that have her calling an attorney quite a bit. She's told us of the time that her front tooth got whacked out by a softball and the park wasn't going to pay for her expenses, even though they were the ones who didn't maintain the safety fence. She told us of a letter that she got saying that she owed $7,500 for images that she used on her website, even though the web design company was the one who put them there. And she even shared with us how many times her ex, who had more money and more resources than she did, tried to do everything in his power to bury her. All of these things she was able to handle with the legal insurance that she talks about and connects you with so that you always have someone to call no matter what circumstances come your way. She is able to call and get a call back within six hours anytime she needs it from an attorney. You know, Asha represents Legal Shield, and the one thing I'm very surprised by is how many people actually don't have this service. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. If you've ever needed an attorney to make a call for you or send a letter on your behalf or do anything that you need an attorney for, who wouldn't pay $20 a month for that? So let me ask Asha, why do you think people don't sign up for this? Because they're always thinking that they don't need an attorney. They're thinking, well, I have no major legal messes. I'm not a criminal. I haven't been arrested for anything. I haven't gotten a DUI. Um, you know, I'm not being sued by my ex. So they don't connect the dots for all of the things that an attorney can help with if it's not urgent, critical, or they're just flat out in despair from an ongoing event and that makes them turn to an attorney. Let's put it this way. We've been taught to take the contract, trust the people giving it to us, sign the bottom, and turn it in. How many times in your life have you bought a car, bought a house, signed a lease, bought a washer and dryer with a special extended warranty? All of this sort of stuff that's little daily details, getting a lease for an apartment, it's like 15 pages worth of paperwork, sometimes less. But it's all legal mumbo-jumbo. And we all say, well, that's just legalese. I skim it to the best of my ability, look for anything glaring, and I sign it at the bottom. And we've just learned to accept it, do our best, and hope nothing 
you know, bites us in the butt later. And that is not necessary anymore. Now we do have access to affordable legal service. We have access to, after the subscription fee, we have access to free legal service for letters and consultations. I think that's why people don't sign up. They have been trained to just grin and bear it or deal with it and and hope that nothing bad happens. All right. Thanks so much, Asha. And if somebody wants to reach you to sign up for this service, how can they reach you to ask more questions? Uh, You can call me at 678-355-8777 or you can go to getoutofthemess.com. There's a button on Paul's page. (laughs) Don't forget the get out of the legal mess button. Or you can email me, Asha, at getoutofthemess.com. What's my website again? <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to advertise your website, too. There's a button on theoverwhelmedbrain.com where you can email me. I don't really care how you reach me. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> All right, this next segment is called Ask Paul, and it's where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them through the challenge to give them some word or advice or perspective that can help them through a situation that they're going through. All right, and this one is from someone I'm going to call Bill. I am in my 40s and I am gay. My story is too long to rant about here, but I am desperate and cannot continue being up almost every night frozen with worry. I am unemployed. I don't have a career, but I am educated. I was an illegal alien for many, many years, which is how long it took me to get my green card and become a permanent U.S. resident. I grew up in the U.S. I went to middle school and high school and took several years of college, and then I became severely depressed toward my second year of college and eventually had no choice but to withdraw. There is so much more to add to my story, but that is impossible to include here, but I have become so overwhelmed with everything that I am reaching out in hopes of finding an answer to my intense feelings of hopelessness. I stumbled upon your podcast, and after listening to a part of a segment, I felt compelled to take a chance on this because your words somehow ignited something deep inside me, which I felt was almost extinguished. Hope. I'm sorry this sounds so random, but it's very difficult to describe everything that I've been going through and all my struggles in just a sentence or a short paragraph. It's a lot. It's 3 a.m. and I'm typing this with tears in my eyes and an overwhelming sense of hopelessness and fear. I'm frozen with fear. I'm hoping for some guidance which can help me finally find a way into a fulfilling life. I'm paralyzed and I'm in my 40s. I feel like nothing. I am desperate. Any words of advice or guidance would be greatly appreciated. I am grateful for anything positive that may come my way. I am grateful for having stumbled upon your podcast in the middle of one of so many sleepless nights. And I am most grateful for individuals like yourself who are few and far between. A simple thank you will never be enough. Bill, I feel what you're going through. And first of all, let me say this. There are many, many more of us out there. You said you're grateful for individuals like me who are few and far between. Let me tell you this. There's a lot of caring people out there. Now, it's possible the people that you've met are caring, but maybe haven't 
understood you or haven't said the right thing that, like you said, made something click inside, maybe gave you that glimmer of hope that you didn't realize was still there. There are many people like that in the world. I just don't think that a lot of them create podcasts. <laughs> I think there are a lot of them are doing their own thing, just going about their life. Yet, it's hard to find them because they're not broadcasting who they are into the world. And that's where I'm going with you with this letter, Bill. Who are you broadcasting into the world? What aspects of your life are you broadcasting into the world? Now, you and I have talked a couple times through email. This was your first one. And I think one of the things that you told me was that you have not been public about being gay. And if I misunderstood what you said, I apologize. But I don't know how hard it would be to live life if I was secretly heterosexual. If I wasn't able to tell people that I enjoyed the company of a woman and I couldn't go out in public and hold hands with a woman, I would feel so repressed. I would get angry knowing that I couldn't express myself. I would just have all these feelings come up that made me not like the world I was in because I wasn't accepted. So if you have not come out and just been free and open with your sexual preference, maybe now's the time. Maybe now is the time to release this and just be yourself. I mean, if you really are at the bottom of the barrel, then what harm is it going to do? You're already there. My feeling is that it will do more good than it ever does harm to express yourself. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, my parents won't accept me or my friends won't accept me or you'll have some sort of uh, little voice that comes in your head that says, if I do that, this will happen. Well, here's another little voice. If you don't do that, you won't like where you end up. And I'm not talking about just expressing your sexual preference and being open and free to choose any partner that you want. I'm talking about anything where you should be free to individuate yourself, to be an individual, to be expressive in the way you want to be expressive. You know, I had a close family member that I will protect his identity too. And I've never, ever said this on the air, that he used to like to dress up in women's clothing. And I found this out when I was somewhat young. So it was kind of funny to me and also very, very strange. And then I had another family member come and tell me the same thing. And it was my moment of truth. Was I going to make fun of this family member or was I going to be mature and help this other family member understand what my close family member was doing? I know I'm confusing the issue calling everyone a family member, but I'm trying to protect everyone's privacy here. But this family member who dressed up in women's clothing, obviously a guy, took a lot of drugs in his life and I believe was in pain. I believe probably knew he wouldn't be understood because he would hide the fact that he did this. In fact, he didn't want anyone to know. So when I found out and I was confused and I had to look online to find out more about it and really explore myself to find out if I had a problem with it or what, 
I realized I didn't have a problem with it at all. In fact, if he had come out and talked to me about it, I would have been like, wow, thank you so much for sharing that. Wow. <laughs> and then I would ask questions like, why? <laughs> why do you do it? And, you know, not accusingly so, but I would want to know. I, I have a fascination with human behavior. and I'd, I'd want to know um, what makes him do it. Is it a sexual thing or is it something that I believe in, which is when we're born, we are born with a certain programming. We're either programmed as males or programmed as females. And sometimes that programming gets confused. Again, this is a personal belief, probably not scientifically backed. I haven't really looked into it too much. But imagine if you're born a girl, but your programming was for a boy. And you look down and you don't see parts that boys have. And you feel like doing things like a boy does, but you're a girl. It's confusing. It's a misidentification of yourself, if you want to look at it technically. So you go through life confused. You feel strange in your own body. Like, why am I in a boy's body when I feel like a girl? So this thought came to mind with uh, this person I know that dressed in women's clothing. And he didn't do it all the time. He only did it in private. Um, And I just happened to find out in a certain way, but I never really addressed it with him. I just know about it. So the more I explored uh, my own thoughts and feelings about that, and the more I explored how many other people actually do that, it started to make more and more sense that some people just have a program running that makes them not feel as comfortable in their own body as other people. Now, none of this is wrong or right. It's not like they have the wrong programming, and it's not like you have the wrong programming for being gay. It's just a program that you were born with. Just like I was born with a heterosexual program. I appreciate the company of women where you appreciate the company of men in an intimate way. So what? Why is that such a secret? Why is that a big deal? This is what? 2016 now. It's not a big deal. Come out. If you're in, come out. Be open with it. Be okay with it. You know, family tends to suppress us. Family can tend to keep us back from a fulfillment in life, from satisfaction in life, because they're worried about what others will think of them. You know, it's never really about what others will think of you. Like if your family was against you being gay and you suddenly came out and you had a boyfriend and you were bringing him to family functions, they're more worried about how other people look at them than you. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. We only care about what other people do when it affects us. And that goes in many ways. We care what other people do so they'll be safe, so that we're okay with that. We want other people to be safe so that we feel good about that because we love them. We, we want them to feel safe. And some people might look at you and go, you need to do it this way. Otherwise, you're going to embarrass the family. You're going to embarrass yourself when it's really an embarrassment to them because they're not open-minded enough to handle the truth. I tell you what, whatever you hold in, 
Whether it's not telling people you're gay or being embarrassed for being an illegal immigrant for that many years or having to lie on your resume, whatever you're embarrassed about, start being honest about. I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Well, I do know because I've done it myself. But why do we lie to the world about who we really are inside? Who are you really inside? And what do you want to express to the world? I have a firm belief that when you repress, you get depressed. And the more you repress, the more depressed you get. It compounds. It gets worse and worse. I see this in relationships all the time. I saw it in my own marriage. The more judgmental I got with my wife, the more and more she repressed. The less she said, the less she expressed, and the longer she sat on the couch day after day, not doing anything, because she was getting more and more depressed. And then the day she left to recharge and revitalize her life was a massive shift in her. She felt vibrant again. She felt passionate again. We weren't living together for months and months and she was revitalizing herself in another state. And this helped her get out of that funk. Just by doing something with her life, knowing that the situation she was in was depressing her. You know, she had the choice to express and live with the consequences, but, you know, she was with someone, me, at the time, who was highly judgmental, and she did not feel safe or comfortable talking to me. So she held it in. And Bill, just like you and I have conversed a couple times so far in email, there are things that you've told me that you've never told anyone. And guess what? I want that to continue. I want you to continue telling me things that you've never told anyone. How long has that been in there? And why is it still there? I know why, because you haven't felt safe. I understand that. And if you said it, what would happen? Let me remind you what does happen when you don't say it. Let me remind you what does happen when you don't express what you really want to express. The reminder is that the pain continues to build inside and you get more and more depressed. When you repress, you get depressed. Remember that. Full expression prevents depression. Now, I know there's chemical imbalances and I know some people might be listening right now going, well, you know, I never repressed. I always expressed myself and I'm still depressed or I still got depressed and I need medication. I know there are always circumstances where nothing is 100%. But I do know that what I said is true. When you repress, you get depressed. I know it's true. I did it. I was there. I repressed for many, many years in my first relationship because I didn't want to express what was really on my mind. Now, the reason, the reason I didn't express what was on my mind is because I really thought I'd lose the person I love. I really believed that if I expressed my anger towards her, she would leave. So I repressed it. I held it in. I really believed that if I defended myself, that she might leave because she no longer viewed me as the nice guy that she met. The problem with doing that is that they never see the real you. 
if you can't express yourself to anyone because you just don't feel safe, then the person never sees the real you. And eventually, people will get burnt out on you. And they won't even know why. They'll see you as always nice, never bothered, because you never express what's truly on your mind. You never express the anger or the fear or your hatred or your sadness because you always want to be seen as the nice person in the relationship or in the situation. And people don't know what it is about you, but they get burnt out on you. Like nothing ever bothers that person. That's what my first girlfriend probably thought. Nothing ever bothers you? I remember she uh, took me aside one day. Well, that's kind of weird way to say it but <laughs> she well, we were in a room somewhere and she goes do you still love me and I was like what where did that come from of course I love you I love you with all my heart and it was true I did love her with all my heart but what she couldn't figure out and this is my guessing here because I've learned a lot about myself over the years what she couldn't figure out was that uh, she never saw another side of me She only saw one side of me, and that was the side that I was willing to show her. So she never saw my anger. She never saw how I dealt with stressful situations, especially when I'm by myself. She never saw that I had bursts of anger when no one was looking. She never saw how sneaky I could get uh, by hiding how I really felt. I mean, I was sneaky. Because I didn't want to show her how I really felt. So I would, you know, come up with passive-aggressive comments that would probably make her feel bad and she couldn't figure out if I was being nice or not. It was a really strange, dysfunctional situation that was mostly my fault. But my point is, after that relationship ended, I went into a severe depression. I mean, I call it a medium depression, but I don't even know what severe depression means. Because I had thoughts of suicide. Is that medium depression or is that severe depression? I'm not sure. But I felt it. I felt depressed. And that's kind of an oxymoron because I really didn't feel anything. I had no feelings. Depression for me was a complete numbing of my system. So while I was depressed, I had clouded thoughts. I didn't want to continue being this way in life so I was thinking it would be easier to end my life but then I thought well how am I going to do that and then some thoughts came to mind of how I can do it you know painlessly and then I had a further thought of wow what would my mom think what would my family think and I had you know all these thoughts that come through your mind when you have any type of depression or, or when you're down for any reason these thoughts come to mind and it's okay I mean, I'm telling you right now, it's okay to have these thoughts. Don't not have all the thoughts that you could possibly have. Don't resist thoughts that come up. Just allow them to be going, oh, I'm having this thought. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, I wonder how that would work. But go on to other thoughts too. Because usually the thoughts that we resist most are the ones we dwell on most. So I'm a firm believer that don't resist any thoughts that come up and just allow them to be. Even if they're bad thoughts that you shouldn't be thinking, just allow them to be. Allow them to come into your mind and embrace and thank yourself for having the thought. 
Be good and kind to yourself. Be your own safe person to talk to. Just like Bill, the way you probably view me is a safe person to talk to, which is why you express things to me that you haven't expressed to anyone else. And I'm honored by that. And I want you to continue writing to me and expressing things that you need to express. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to let you be you. I think that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of us face growing up and figuring out all of our dysfunctions from childhood and growing up is that we realize that I can't be myself. I can't be who I want to be because I do what? I repress. I don't express my true self because if I express my true self, someone might judge me. Someone might leave me. Someone might see who I really am and hate me. So what? Because if you continue repressing, you will get depressed. So what's the alternative? Someone hates you and they walk away? Well, what kind of friend were they in the first place? (laughs) What kind of family member were they in the first place? You don't want those people in your life. You don't need toxic people that look down on you. You don't need toxic people that don't have an open mind to you being who you really want to be. And quite frankly, you don't have enough room in your life to let those people bring you down. Because what you find out when you start expressing yourself is who really is there to support you and who really isn't. Now, if you end up with no one left to support you, then you'll realize the toxic environment that you have been building and putting around you over and over again. This happens for many, many, many years of gaining friendships that you haven't felt comfortable being yourself in. I've had quite a few friends over the years and I've lost almost all of them. Because who I was in the friendship wasn't who I wanted to be in that friendship. Who I was in relationships wasn't who I wanted to be in those relationships. I'm telling you, when you show your true self, when you bring out that authentic you, life suddenly becomes meaningful. And that's the most important point that I want to make right now. When you bring out your authentic self and express it as much as you can, I know you'll still have some reservations, but (laughs) express yourself as much as you can and be yourself as much as you can, even at the risk that people might not like you and people may even leave you, you begin to have meaning and purpose in your life. I truly believe that the path of meaning and purpose gets laid before you as soon as you express your authentic self. In fact, it has to because the world responds to you. Think about that. The world responds to you, which means if you put out a fake persona in the world because of your fear of their reaction, guess what kind of reaction you're going to get. But if you put out your authentic persona in the world, knowing that some people will fear and some people will accept and some people will ignore, your life starts to have purpose and meaning. 
because there's nowhere else to go. You didn't put out that fake persona. You put out your authentic self. So in order to bring purpose and meaning in your life, you have to become authentic. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it, but that's how it goes. Now, you can still have purpose and meaning if you're not fully authentic. And I do realize that sometimes you can't be authentic in every situation. Like if you have a hatred for someone and you want to say it, saying it might be dangerous because they're dangerous. That's not the time to be fully authentic. (laughs) But it is a time to honor your personal boundaries and stay out of situations that violate those personal boundaries. It is a time to honor yourself. That's what I want you to do is honor yourself. Be more authentic. So, Bill, I hope my perspective on this helps you. I know you're in a tough time right now, but I care about you and I care about where you're going with your life. So just remember that there is meaning and purpose out there for you. And it might take baby steps to get there. But just like when you reached out to me and said, you know, I had something inside of me that I thought was extinguished. And that was hope. Just like that, there's a little fire that lit inside of you and gave you a glimmer of hope. Just like that, one little thing changed in your life. It's a baby step, but that one little thing kept you going. There's other little things like that that will turn bigger and bigger as you keep moving forward, expressing yourself, being the true you, even at the risk of upsetting others, but being yourself so that you can get out of this emotional state that you're in and start moving towards a brighter light every day. That's what I want for you. And thank you so much for sharing your story with me. We'll be right back. if you don't know, I am a personal empowerment coach. And what that means is that I help you regain your power. I help you get to a place where you can make decisions with conviction. I want you to heal and grow and evolve to the point where you can make decisions that are right for you without even having to think twice. I want you to get to a point where you're not in a space of indecision. I want you to get to a point where you are not in a rut. I coach people all over the world. So as long as you have a webcam or even a phone, I can coach with you. So do yourself a favor and let me help you leave your emotional baggage at the curb. Why take it with you in life? Let me help you leave it there. Let's address and get rid of those anxious thoughts. Or if you're always in a down state, let's bring you up. Let me get you to a point of empowerment so that you can create the life you want. Whether you want to dive in and tackle some big issue in your life right now, or you want to maintain where you're at just so you stay on track. It's what I call stay the course. Once you dive in and go full speed ahead, then you can stay the course, stay on track, and use me as your sounding board and ask me any question that you want one-on-one. I will be there as your personal coach and we can address your specific issues. Go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com 
and click on Coach with Paul. If this show isn't getting you to the place that you want to be, consider coaching with me. Again, theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I hope to talk with you soon. And speaking of talking soon, I'm going to talk less right now because the show is coming to an end. (laughs) So thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you and I appreciate you sticking around for this episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. And I'm going to stop thinking that I'm missing segments. I'm, I've missed the quote of the day segment. And now I'm missing the what's in the box segment. Sometimes what we talk about just takes time. Sometimes it just takes all the time. And then we have to end the show. Otherwise, we could go on and on and on. Yeah, you might like that. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> so here's what I want to say to you. I want to say talk to you next week. Thank you so much for joining me. Hang out till the end, and I'll give you my closing words. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank Asha, as always. She's with GetOutOfTheMess.com. And, you know, I got to tell you, you can move forward alone and hope things go well. Or you can pay less than a dollar a day to get a team of attorneys to get you through almost any situation. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, visit GetOutOfTheMess.com or just call her. Asha will talk to you for free and just tell you if this service is right for you and if you can get Legal Shield for your situation. Her number is 678-355-8777. I want to thank everyone who has purchased a book or a worksheet. If you haven't purchased the Stop Self-Sabotage Worksheet, I highly recommend that one. It's eight pages long. It comes with a 20-minute video, and it will help you define what's most important in your life. This is the most popular seller on my website. It's only five bucks, but it's well worth the price because it will help you align with what's most important in every major area of your life. It's worth taking a look at. There's a full description on the page at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Just click on Deeper Learning when you get there. And anyone who's used the Amazon links to shop, thank you. You're supporting the show, and I appreciate you. Every penny of it goes towards the production of this show. Your contributions and shopping habits are making a difference. I am grateful. Thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions today in The Overwhelmed Brain. And let me just end with this. I know life can get you down. I know that sometimes you feel bad. You feel sad. You feel angry. You feel all kinds of things. And it's okay to feel these things. I know you don't want to. But it's okay to feel these things. Allow them to be. And express them. Either write them down. Write them in an email to me. Express them outwardly so you don't hold them inwardly. Remember, what you don't express, you repress. What you don't get out stays in. So imagine that you kept anger. Do you want anger in there? I know there's productive anger too, but you know the kind of anger I'm talking about. Do you want sadness in there? Or do you want to express it and get it out? There's a lot of things in life that make us feel sad. There's a lot of things that make us feel 
insignificant or unimportant to other people. So let me give you the advice that you've probably heard before. It starts with you looking at yourself and going, I deserve better. You deserve better. You do. Even if you have little thoughts that come up and say, no, I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. Because those thoughts will come up from time to time. I don't care. I know the truth. You deserve better. You always deserve better. You deserve more. And what does that mean? It just means you are worthy. And how do I know that you're worthy? How could I possibly know that about you? Because let me tell you something. When someone writes to me and says, I am depressed. I am not worthy. I am undeserved of being treated fairly or with love. I am undeserved of attention. I am insignificant. If you have any of these thoughts, let me prove you wrong. Because every email that I've ever received where somebody did that, I felt your worth. I felt the good in you. I felt your heart. You connected with me. You shared your story with me. You expressed yourself to me. And even if you'd never write to me, just listening to me and thinking the thoughts that you have and putting your time and attention in this show while I'm talking and you're thinking about your own life and how it applies to you, that proves to me that you're worthy. How does that come about? Because in order to care enough about yourself to reach out in any way to a show like this that helps you improve or to a person like me that cares about you shows that you do care about yourself, that you are worthy and that there is something to care about. And you might think, I just want to feel better. You know why you want to feel better? Because you're worthy of feeling better. I just want to be loved. You know why you want to feel loved? Because you're worthy of feeling loved. You wouldn't have these feelings if you weren't worthy. You wouldn't be programmed. You wouldn't desire love if you weren't lovable. You wouldn't desire happiness if it wasn't possible. Everything you want, you are worthy of. And I want that for you too. So know this, as the episode ends and you have to get back to whatever you're doing in life, know that you are worthy and I know it. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> Do you really think I come on the air once a week and sometimes more because I don't think you're worthy? So I don't care if you don't believe me or not. I know what's true. I come on the air once a week just to connect with you in hopes that you can have a better life after listening to me. Sure, every now and then I'll tell you about my coaching. I'll tell you about Asha with Get Out of the Mess and it sounds like I'm being a little salesy, but I believe in the things I talk about. I believe in what I'm putting out into the world. I've seen what works. I've seen Asha help a lot of people get out of their mess. I've seen my clients walk away and go, wow, my life has changed. I only put out what I believe in. So no, you won't ever hear me advertise for cigarettes. <laughs> or I probably will never talk about olives and mushrooms because I can't stand those things <laughs> or fish or whatever but I will put out what I believe in and I will talk to people that I believe in and that's you I believe in you I want you to create the life you want I want you to have everything that you desire that you want 
I want you to have a life that's worth living because you are worthy. Thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you so much. And with that, open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.